Hello, everyone. It's Liam Roy here with a new episode of Modern Earth. Today's episode really dives into the arts, showcasing how the evolution of technology brings rise to new art forms and opportunities for artists to express themselves. Our guest today is truly one of a kind, and we'll hear all about her experience evolving as both a digital and traditional artist. Before we get started, I wanted to thank you for listening and give a shout out to those who are already supporting the show at patreon.com slash modern earth. You can join my Patreon for as little as $2 a month, where you can submit questions to our guest speakers, get early access to new episodes, find bonus content, and much more. If you're looking for a way to support the show that costs you $0, you can also hit that subscribe button, share the podcast with a friend, leave us a positive review, and drop us a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, all right. Now let's get to our episode. Our guest today is a 26-year-old artist and visual designer from Nelson, BC. Believe me when I say this girl can do it all. She's a visual artist, digital artist, painter, fashion designer, tattoo artist, you name it. Her focus has primarily been towards performative digital painting and VJing, where she's taken an innovative approach to bringing her unique art style to life through a custom-designed digital painting interface. Get ready for a deeper episode today as we talk about 3D visual design, performative digital arts, inventing new instruments, West Coast music festivals, Burning Man, traditional versus digital arts, accidentally turning off all the music at a music festival, 3D painting in virtual reality, how to know when a painting is finished, and much more with today's guest, Kit Clark. Okay. <laughs> Yay! How are you? Like, what have you been? What have you been getting up to? Tell me about your tattooing. It's like kind of in the beginning process. Like, I haven't tattooed any humans yet or anything or any real skin. It's just been like practice skin and fruit and just like learning how to use the machine and set it up and tear down my station. But I am gonna be tattooing probably a lot because that's a really great way to make money as an artist. And since recording this episode, Kit's done all sorts of tattoos on humans. If you want to check them out, you can find them on her Instagram page at delicate, D-E-L-A-K-I-I-T. Do you have any tattoos right now? I have one. The artist's name is Fox Feet and they're from Vancouver. Um, They did these like kind of spooky illustrations of different Pokemon. Oh, cool. So I, I got love Pokemon that. That's, that's so good. I love Pokemon. That's so good. I actually also love Pokemon. Yeah, I grew up playing like pretty competitively for a oh, while yeah. Yeah. until I decided I didn't like to compete. Did you collect all the cards and stuff too? So yeah, I played them competitively because my friend's dad was a, like, he ran the Pokemon section of like a ton of comic book stores oh in God. like the area that I lived in growing up. So I got to like luckily play and he would help me build decks and stuff. So I was able to do like pretty well and like would go to like tournaments. And Give me a quick rundown of like your best deck. Okay. Well, my, f- all I can really remember, cause this is like, I'm probably 13 or something. Okay. 
I might be saying it wrong, like Arcanine okay. or yep. Arcanine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the right one. Yeah, the fire and one. And I always had a deck with her in it because she's my favorite. I love so, that it's a her. Yeah. <laughs> I always like imagine like having this like big orange cat that I could like ride and, and shoot could... flames out of its mouth. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. That's so awesome. Okay. So I'm curious. Um, I believe your logo is a fox. And I know also when we played together, we made the joke because I had a fish for mine and you were a fox. Mm-hmm. So I would love to know what was your thought process for choosing a fox as your representation for your art? Yeah, um, well, it kind of found me, like kind of, uh, the fox has been like a an animal that just I really resonated with, um, mainly because of my hair, <laughs> I think. But also my name, Kit, I got that nickname because a kid is a baby fox. So yeah. it just like kept appearing in my life and they're also like often used in like japanese um mythology and i was very much inspired by like harajuku fashion and like that's why you you can see like even some of the the clothes that i wear or like the colors that i use in my art they're all kind of inspired by yeah like this like uh some different uh street fashions from japan and like Miyazaki films and I just googled it now it's funny I tried to type in Harajuku fashion and I give anyone the challenge right now to try and type that into Google and get the spelling correctly because I did not (laughs) (laughs) at all I don't think I know I don't think I know yeah no this this lines up Harajuku Harajuku fashion so I'm I guess one of my first questions would really be like what started you on your artistic journey because i know you are probably one of the best actually i shouldn't even say probably you are the best painter that i know like hands down because i look at your art and i'm just like blown away at every single piece you put out i would love to hear where you started if it was with painting or did you start drawing or i've dabbled in a lot of different art forms but i think that probably painting or like illustrative work has been my main focus for a long time ever since i was a kid i was like drawing cartoons and anime characters probably pokemon fan um and then i went to art university as well so i went to ocad which is like a university in toronto i didn't study visual arts i studied industrial design industrial design what are they teaching you in a program like that industrial design is like product design okay um it it can be a wide range of things from like designing furniture to um maybe like if you were working a part of designing phones or even like applications on phones it doesn't necessarily have to be a physical object it's more like a designer that's taking into consideration the interaction of a human with an object okay cool um A lot of skills would probably transfer over, though, just in general. I feel like there's no university course that's going to teach you how to really bring out like the true art that's like buried inside you. But it can help give you the basic skills, which can kind of set you on that path or at least help you maybe discover some of the talents that you might not have really realized on your own. Yeah. And like how to cater those talents to 
being the best that you can be, like teaching you. I think the main thing that I learned from school is design thinking. So that's like, how do I analyze like a problem that I see, break it down into how to solve that problem and how to build that back up into an actual product. So like, it's interesting because I'm presenting myself as an artist, but I really see myself as a designer. And like what I want to create is design processes to teach people kind of how you saw that VJing experience that I've made. Like that is kind of like redesigning what a VJ could be. Absolutely. Um, And I use like my art as a front because I'm trying to connect with other artists. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, that's that's a way to like show, yeah, you can show them like this is something that is possible. I actually wanted to talk to you about your style of art because now we've talked a little bit about your background and how you took industrial design, but there's a huge bridge to be made from that to your style of work now. Like it's trippy, woodland critters. Like I'd love to know where you get your inspiration for that. Um, I get a lot of my inspiration from like in sort of a, a spiritual way. Like when I start to paint, I feel very tapped into this like artistic group consciousness. Like it's sort of hard to explain other than like being in flow state. I'm really trying to like be inspired by the divine feminine and not by being female, but by the the feminine in all of us. Um, And I I really feel like it's something that in our society, we kind of have put hidden away for so long. And I'm I'm really trying to encourage people to like to tap into that. But when I, when I say that too, I, I even mean just like very intuitive painting. Like I often will read the tarot and like, connect with different philosophies that I've either learned about or have come to my own conclusions through my own experiences, I guess, in life. That's cool. Um, Yeah. And then like how my style kind of came to be was I just kept doodling (laughs) like I was I just loved like little doodly creatures and I just decided that like my doodles were like they were enough instead of being like oh they could be rendered better they you know like I just decided that they were good I loved them the way that they are that's the thing is I look at your art and it's just so original from any other art pieces that I've seen either digital or just on a real canvas. It's very you, like you can tell that it's got that uniqueness to Kit rather than trying to mimic some trend. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say like one technique that I do, and I I really want to share this on your podcast too, so that other people can hear it because it's really helped me. And that is when I draw, I first of all, tell myself, remember to draw like Kit. Sometimes it's hard because you want to draw like people you've seen on Instagram or Pinterest. And I'm like, no, no, draw like Kit. Hand, you be yourself. Don't be else. And then also when, when we draw, we tend to like, with each line, we'll be like, oh, this line is, it's not good. Oh, it could be better. This is wrong. And we're like actually putting negativity into our work. And a, a skill that I learned was to tell every single line, I love you. You're beautiful. Well, I think you're pretty great. And you're putting love into that painting and people feel it and yeah. they see that, right? Yeah. So Absolutely. love every line. I love that so yeah. much. Yes, that's actually something I was kind of curious about. So maybe before I get to this question, I should ask you a little bit more about your 
digital art? Because I'm assuming you just started with painting. So what brought you over to doing a digital art form? And how did you come up with the idea of trying to bring your paintings to life through a tablet? Well, I had actually been doing digital art for probably as long as doing traditional. Oh, really? I was lucky to have access. Like I bought myself a tablet, uh, like a Wacom tablet when I was probably 13. I really wanted to do digital art for a really long time. I used to like be coding websites and like making little characters and stuff through like neopets i think it was called i don't know neopets i do know what it is stuff like that but it wasn't until the ipad came out with the apple pencil that i actually started liking doing digital art uh like it was just easier like an easier interface to use or what was the reason yeah there's like this disconnect between drawing on a tablet and then looking at your screen compared to having this small lightweight tablet that i can take anywhere that draws so well mm-hmm. um and the app that i use to draw on is called procreate i get okay. asked that a lot so cool i thought i'd share that information because it's a really great app and it's worth the not very much money that it costs. It's yeah. a good price too. Oh, so that's awesome. <laughs> well, so you and I met at Elevate Music Festival and that was in like the Okanagan Valley. And I remember when I saw you doing your art for the first time and your VJing, I sat there, I think for like two or three hours watching in awe, uh, just cause it was so cool. And I don't think I had ever seen someone use that type of user interface with like an iPad and their computer to do VJing. So maybe you could explain to me a little bit about your process front to back or pen to projector of like what you're doing when you're VJing. Yeah, so part of the reason why I started doing live painting was because I used to draw at parties in like my sketchbook and I noticed that people began to watch that experience. I also have this like really big concept idea that I'm working on, which is connected to the digital live painting. I'd like to create an instrument at some point. (laughs) that would like allow you to paint with color Uh, I've been working on this since university but in order for me to like get it going I actually sort of needed to get into the music scene and into the art scene and I felt like BC and the festival community here was a great way to do that Um, so like that thing that I'm doing I actually kind of see it as like this beacon to call in people that understand what I'm doing and would want to maybe work together in the future to create something even more than that experience um but just to like dial it back into what that actual experience is that I'm I'm doing right now is I'm essentially using Resolume to VJ and then using my iPad as an input into Resolume so that I can do digital live painting and VJ at the same time. Yeah. Maybe you can actually just talk to me. I've this is the first I've heard of this instrument idea. So you want to yeah. Maybe you can give me a little bit more info on like the background of this cool idea, because that sounds amazing, being able to paint in color with an instrument. Essentially, where the inspiration for that came from is as an artist, I feel like my flow state when I create is very solo 
and like I can listen to music and interact with musicians in that way and create, but my art doesn't often affect their musical process. And Mm. so like, I'm not in their flow state usually. And I used to watch musicians play music together and how they would all get in this flow together. And I was so like, I was almost like jealous that I couldn't be in that space. And so like, I guess I could learn to play an instrument, but I feel like as a designer, I have this desire to make my own instrument that would allow me to play with them. And so what I'm trying to work on right now is like creating a system that would allow my art to take the visuals to a different way that like the musicians could see it better or okay or that the the sound or the color can be translated yeah uh, into sound something like that it's it's sort of like a confusing process of how to make it happen yeah. but i think i'm on the right track and i want to talk about it in like a way like on a podcast and stuff like that too so that um if people are listening to it and they go oh i've been coding this thing that would fit perfectly to go with that like maybe we could connect collaborate yeah absolutely like when i envision what you're trying to explain it would be something like an interface where you could do your art and then maybe it already knows the bpm Or you would have to draw in beat. And then as you're putting down your pen to the screen, you've programmed it in such a way that it's creating some sort of sound or some sort of synth based on those images that you're making. Like, I I feel like a lot of people imagine, you know, images when they hear music. And I just want to be able, like, I see colors and images and I want to create those. Yeah. Um, and actually, that's why I loved working with you so much, because you were doing something similar to me with because you play live music and DJ. Yeah. And I love that because that's like in the like we were doing the same thing, you totally. know, because like, not everything that you played you made, not everything I show on the screen that I make as well, because I also am like throwing in sample clips. Yeah. But it's then we we'll both have that live aspect. So that's why working yeah. with you is really cool. Like you're, it's going to be really hard for any artist to completely make every single piece. But if you can find a vibe and then create your art around that, then you're doing a good job. And then being able to do your own live aspect, uh, like your painting or my bass guitar is just a really good layer on top of all of that. The first time that I went to Shambhala, I remember there was like this point in the night where I was like, wait did these people make this stuff or are they playing other people's music? Yeah. Because I had been going to like music festivals where everything was live. Yeah. And then I'm at like, I realized that DJs don't always play live. Like I actually thought that everyone was up there with like mini controllers and synths and everything is live. Yeah, and some no. of them do can do stuff like that. But totally. <laughs> They're not. So all when like I was tattoo. designing this like thing, I was designing it like, I thought I had to make everything live, like a rock band. Yeah. But actually, no, you that's don't. not really the world of technology. No. Like, <laughs> so the thing is, the thing is, you can it's definitely been kind of like fun, like letting that go. Yeah. <laughs> that I needed to do that. That's, that's actually something that I recently, like, not re- recently, but that I really realized as well is that like you can have, um, these artists and if they want to, let's say, do every single little synth 
live or something like that, that is their vibe. And like everyone in the crowd is going to think that's really cool. And that's probably going to be like the main focus point of their performance is like, wow, they're doing all these synths and they're building these beats from scratch. But then there's other artists. And like, this is something that I'm really interested in is like, rather than focusing on doing all of those songs live, it's like you could DJ and then you could also focus on other aspects of your performance, like coordinating the lights or like doing the visuals or like running a live bass guitar or just, I enjoy trying to curate the entire experience rather than just focusing on the music because I know live presentations are not just the music. And that's why I loved working with you because I was like, you brought mm -hmm. a much different energy than any other VJ I've ever worked with. Like I wanted you on stage and I felt like we were a duo rather than me just playing and having some VJ backing me up. And like, I would love to hear your thoughts on the culture of how sometimes VJs are put to the side. And I honestly think that like you are as important, if not more important when playing a show because that's what everyone is looking at all the time so mm -hmm. well yeah like it, i had felt like if i was going to be doing this live painting thing i really didn't want to be put at the back of the stage hidden mm -hmm. somewhere because i felt like i was an artist too and and just you know deserved to be honored in that way and not saying like to any vj like oh you're you know you're at the back of the stage because like you can see better from that space mm -hmm. and like there is a reason that you'd want to be back there and maybe if i'm just doing a regular vj set and not live painting that would be fine but i really wanted the opportunity to interact with the audience just like you had said and creative vibe i want people to recognize me as an artist as well um and also like i've had times where i've like totally got to interact with the audience like they have like a, a stuffed animal that they're carrying and then i draw that stuffed That's animal so and sweet. like the main reason why i wanted to be on stage is actually not really even for myself as much as i had friends that were live painters like they were just painting on canvases um, and some of these female artists have had like negative experiences with not having security at festivals. Mm. And I was trying to think like, where's the safest person? Like if I'm going to ask one of my friend artists to play, like where's the safest place for them to be for mm. their own safety, but also for they, that way they feel honored and valued for the work. Like if I'm going to say, Hey, would you come up and draw for an hour? You're an amazing artist. I want them to be like, with oh, you. wow, I get to go on stage this time. Like, yeah. I really want to create like VJ lineups that that artist feels really included and not taken advantage of yeah. and safe. And that's, that's yeah. awesome. The thing is, it sounds like you also know other VJ artists and I actually didn't even think about this till now, but like when I come back to Nelson, I'm going to be hosting a show and I'm going to be trying to get a DJ lineup together. So it would be really cool to like collab on a show and like you bring the visuals and you could bring other friends if they want to do any sort of live visual art. And then I can bring the music and together we would just have because you were so much fun to run a show with together. And I felt like we had like such a great energy on stage together as well. 
I thought so too. And I would, I'd love to do that. I actually am trying to pitch that to people who are running events in the future that I would love to organize their visual lineup because I want, again, artists to feel valued. Also though, I don't actually know a ton of artists that actually I don't really know any artists. I just know artists that draw digitally. And so I'm like trying to find some right now. Like I have friends that are like, I want to do this. I'm like, all right, learn to digitally paint and like i can teach you the rest like nice yeah i would really love to help people out and make that happen and i also have spots to put them because like at that festival that we were at together i vj'd the entire thing and i would really love to organize it so that there was a lineup and that i like four or five the whole time yeah yeah (laughs) i mean i enjoyed it because i sat there it was actually so funny like i sat there for two or three hours just watching you and before like we just chatted kind of briefly because i was like i know she's doing her thing so i'm not gonna bother her and you looked like so badass on stage and i was so nervous to approach you after and then when i actually came and talked to you you were like super cutesy and like i think you gave me a hug and i'm like oh my god like it was it was great so it was just (laughs) so so funny funny. isn't that isn't it wild though how the stage creates that barrier yeah, it does. You know, for sure. And so, so in some ways I like don't even like the dynamic of that, like this person's performing. So they're like on this pedestal. But yeah. at the same time, if you are bringing something to a crowd, like I do want that person to feel valued. Totally. So. so actually, I know you said um, you said sometimes you get nervous with social media. I'd be curious to know, though, if you ever get nervous before a show like going either on stage or just like doing the visuals in general you know when i get like the most nervous actually is when i'm unplugging my things at the end and the music is still going and i'm afraid i'm gonna (laughs) unplug the sound and um at elevate at like 5 a.m when i was unplugging my laptop i'm like doing everything i can to not unplug the the cords from the power bar and while doing that i turned off the entire power bar no <laughs> and i was like this is my biggest nightmare <laughs> that's so good that's actually the best thing i've ever heard because i was just gonna ask you if you've ever done it so i've done it too though like it's the the nice thing about our music community is that everyone is just going to laugh like no one's gonna actually be mad they're just like okay no yeah. <laughs> Like I've turned off all of the music in a club before. So that's so good that you've unplugged all of that. I I didn't hope it's like my only time doing that. Okay. So kind of just jumping back to maybe a little bit more about your IRL painting. What do you like best about painting on a canvas? Um, I like working with the paint medium. Um, I like the way it feels and like how connected I feel to that piece. I use this like really nice gouache acrylic blend paint that like is very like if I wish that I had that paint on my iPad so I could like feel the same but it just like doesn't. I I feel like there's nothing more satisfying than like drawing a traditional painting and it turning out nice because I think it really shows your skill. It's just a confirmation of your ability to yourself. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I, that's the thing is I know so many, um, artists who do like tons of different art forms, but I know very few who actually paint on a canvas. And I think that takes 
quite a lot of skill because it's not just knowing how the image is going to be shaped. It's like knowing how to layer your paint and how to mix your colors. And maybe you could talk to me a little bit about, is there anything that you would say is the most complex part about painting on a canvas in real life? Is it just like the patience or like what is the difficult part you find when you're trying to paint on a canvas? Um, Probably that you can't there's no undo button mm. and like one thing that i've taught myself is like if you've painted it once you can paint it again so you know be bold and like i cover sections that i've completely painted no way to redo and it's like scary but also every time i repaint something it just gets that much better and so like it but it's like you can't see that whole process sometimes like i my favorite painting that i've done has like 20 layers and no way. i don't have to show for them like there's so many i've gone over it so many times i actually have like a little instagram story that kind of shows the process but like there's there was a whole story in that painting that you only get to see the, the end result yeah i kind of wish that i could have captured the whole thing do you ever find that it's hard to figure out like when it's done like when you have to just be like hands up like we're it's finished or like are you do you usually just finish one last thing and you're like okay it's perfect this is the greatest sandwich i've ever made well not really like, yeah i was I gonna say it sounds it. like no <laughs> i think that like trusting in the completion of just going okay i'm done with i'm done with this now i'm gonna move on to the next thing is like a part of a strength of an artist it's like learn to tell yourself that you're done and call it and know that like if you release yourself from this one piece that you've been spent all this time working on now you get to make a new piece like that's mm -hmm. really exciting yeah so trying not to hold on for too long it's a skill that i've definitely allowed myself to have right now i'm still moving around like i haven't found i haven't like bought a house or anything like that yet but as soon as i have like a permanent place I am going to buy, like, I don't know how many, how much art pieces go for, but I'll probably just give you a grand and be like, make me a huge piece for my wall, like middle of my living room, because there's no one I would rather make a centerpiece for like the vibe of my home than you. I think I would trust you the most. So you can definitely count on That'd that happening so at, some, at some point. Um, Okay, so maybe you could talk to me about creating your digital art. And it seems like you can really bring your art to life when you do it digitally. But I have to imagine that there's maybe also limitations when you're trying to draw on your iPad versus drawing on a canvas. So maybe you can talk to me about the pros that you've kind of realized um, of trying to do digital art and then maybe some of the drawbacks. Yeah, well, you know, it's actually perfect that you're asking this question right now because I have just spent the entire day trying to um, make illustrated three-dimensional art pieces using this program called Blender. What makes it so unintuitive is like the jankiness of the software and the mm. interface and like trying to work with that. I find it, it takes me out of the creative process and it's sometimes really hard because you're just like, I just want to do this thing. And then, you know, you know illustrator's is. not working or yeah. like, you're not even sure what's wrong. And you're just like trying to figure out computer things. Yeah. So that's kind of been like the hardest part, I think. And also like 
when I wanted to do the digital live painting, I spent like so long figuring out how to actually make it work. Like it was not easy to get like nothing. If it's not created yet for you to do that, it's really hard to like find the right technology and you're kind of like hacking programs to use them for things that they're not made for. Yeah. And then so they're that, not that is limiting because yeah. that thing isn't built. Yeah. Like that's that's probably the hard part. But that's also what I feel like was the wow factor for me when I saw your art was that you had taken the time to create this art form from a tool that's commonly used by everyone and spin it in a way that I had never seen used before. So I I, I definitely can agree that like computers suck and they never really do what you want them to. But it seems that now you have like a pretty good setup. Correct me if I'm wrong, but now if you want to try and do modifications to it, it's still pretty complicated. Yeah. I still have things that I want to do that I'm not able to do yet. Yeah. And um one of those things is I used Tilt Brush before. Oh, yeah. For anyone who isn't familiar with Tilt Brush, it's a painting app based in VR. Just imagine being able to wave your hand and draw on thin air right in front of you, like a magician or a futuristic fine arts student. If you're curious and want to explore some wicked 3D creations made in Tilt Brush, I've linked their community gallery in the show notes. I've really wanted to paint in VR, um, but one of the things, the features that Tilt Brush has is that it can have audio reactive brushes. Oh, cool. And I really want to use those, yeah. but I don't. I don't know how to connect Tilt Brush into Resolume. Maybe that's possible. I'm not sure yet. When I think of your art, like you are already really pushing the boundaries on like what a VJ is doing while you're uh, live painting. But I have to imagine like being able to paint a 3D object, like a crowd would go insane watching you. You have, let's say a headset on or some sort of interface and then you're painting and then it's all populating on the screen and then you pop up the goggles and then do something on the computer um, and then it becomes all manipulated and trippy because of Resolume. Like that sounds mm-hmm. out of sight. So like the one thing that I'm trying to figure out too is how to like make this a constant performance thing as well. So it doesn't feel like you're just watching a time lapse as mm-hmm. much as it's like morphing into these different art form like and i had to learn how to draw really fast to do that but then again maybe people like watching like time lapse sort of like quickly made art i'm not sure oh so you mean for example like you want to draw a fox and then you draw it from scratch and you're saying people might not i was pretty interested in watching you draw from scratch because to me the cool part was you're drawing stuff and then it's almost like pictionary like i'm like oh what is she drawing And then as soon as I see it's a fox, you're like, okay, but now it has three eyes and it's also a rainbow. It's starting to even look like a triple rainbow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that's the best description of my art. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you're right. So maybe it's fine. Maybe that is, I I don't know. I I guess like, I'm just trying to create that whole vibe. Like you were saying, like, I just want it to feel professional and well made but yeah. also be intuitive and beautiful yeah i That's like and definitely coming out, you're you know? definitely doing all of that really well but i mean at the same time it's like the only time you will stop growing 
as an artist is when you think that everything is perfect. So like, it's always good to try and push yourself and think of like, oh, what's a better way I can do this. But I can just vouch right now as like an outsider that like you are, you're doing really, really well. So I wouldn't worry too much, but um, do you have one art style that you prefer more than the other? Like if you were asked, you can only paint on canvases or you can only paint on your iPad again, which would you do? Whoa. That's hard hard to say, but I think that I would probably choose digital because if I was just like, if I was just to do painting on a canvas, it's very limiting. Like, I really am trying to push the boundaries of what you can do with art. And so Mm -hmm. I would definitely choose to use the digital world to push that further also like i'm using my digital art to like make fabric for clothes and like other products so just like it's a whole world digital art offers yeah you would be cutting yourself off from a lot because there's lots of little opportunities now i'm just thinking about your digital art and so is there any type of music that you love doing your live visuals to the most um, like I know when we played at the Royal, it was like very colorful and funky and cute animals. But then when we met, we were at like a trippy psychedelic bass music festival and you were playing Studio Ghibli clips and like making them look all trippy. And that is what captivated me. I grew up watching Studio Ghibli films and they very much inspire my art. Yeah. Um, So I feel like really honored to include them and also people that recognize the films. It's very like, it makes them feel, I think, safe and comfortable. It does. Um, My, oh, my favorite music to play to. I really like playing with people that I know and connect with. Mm. Uh, So when you saw me at Elevate, my main set that I was doing was with Widow. Mm -hmm. Um, And Ryan and I became friends a while back and he has been like such a supporter of my art and so cool i just like love his music yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because i like i think the world of him and so his music just sounds like even better like if i had to pick someone to play for like i i would probably want to play do another set with him sometime yeah. soon yeah um but other like musicians that I haven't gotten to play for like yeah I'd drop like some names something a little bit like like some you know like I really like Tycho's kind of sound oh yeah do you know who that is yeah Tycho it's like more like ambient like soft uplifting music like totally. almost the opposite end of that spectrum of the dub yeah. music like still slow but like more maybe a actually a a dj that plays and is producing music i've actually i'm doing his cover art for his new album that's coming out his name is slumber cool and definitely check him out on soundcloud because i would love to do a south him someday too so how many times have you been to shambhala i've actually only been twice some people have been so many times. Yeah, I know. I've only been once, so that's you've been one more time than me. Oh, okay. What was your favorite music festival that you've ever attended? I mean, probably like 
Chambala was my favorite because it was sort of like a life-changing experience mm-hmm. that I had going there the first time. But I also would probably have to say Burning Man as well. I mean, it's oh, not necessarily nice. a music festival, but it feels like, I mean, a music festival is there. Yeah. So. Oh, I want to know about both those things. So, okay. For Shambhala first, tell me a bit about your first year and like your experience going to that festival. Can I talk about psychedelics? On yeah, here absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Well, Shambhala was the first time that I tried uh, LSD. And that was kind of like a wild experience. I don't know why I tried it there the first time, but essentially like my whole world deconstructed and I learned that I, you know, there was a place that existed on this planet that I could make art for. And I don't really know, like as much as I would love to create for Shambhala, actually maybe now, well, not even, I knew that before I always wanted to make stuff for Burning Man, but yeah, my world just kind of changed after that. And I never really felt the same again. And I'm not really sure if it was Shambhala or if it was LSD, but my world has been better since then. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes it just opens up some perspectives that you just, they're right in front of you and they seem so obvious, but for some reason you just don't recognize them. And then you just, it almost makes you take a step back and you just realize you're like oh that's something that i could be doing like my friend said uh, a really fantastic quote to me just yesterday and this quote was shared to me from jordan voth out of winnipeg manitoba he's an incredibly smart individual who's taught me so much about myself and the world around me he's built his own music festival from the ground up and him and i are set to record an episode to talk all about it so stay tuned for that you can't hear if you're always talking you can't see if you're always looking You can't feel if you're always moving. The answer wants to speak to you. The path wants to reveal itself. In stillness, you will feel your heart. So essentially, like if you just stop trying to put yourself out there and just like take a moment to become one with everything and absorb everything around you, you'll find your answer. And it sounds like that could have really happened to you with your experience at Shams. I would definitely say that's, that is how I feel. Yeah. And after that experience, I had decided to kind of let go of my control or my desire to control my life so Mm. strictly and allow to flow with the universe Mm. and just see what happens if I let her be in charge and it's led me here and it's, that's beautiful. Just keeps going. The the bread breadcrumb trail just becomes pieces of toast. Like I love that. So fun. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely been. Um, that was actually one of the the reason that I was having that conversation with a friend last night is that sometimes it's really easy to just hyper fixate on trying to control every little bit of your life, and you're trying to maybe shape this reality or shape this future for yourself, and you don't even know if that future is going to necessarily unfold. You're just doing all of these little things and not always being present in the moment now. Um, trying to focus on the future. And I've realized the importance of just like within reason, letting go of a lot of that and just trying to let the world tell me what's best and just follow that, that trail of breadcrumbs. I'm I've yet to reach the toast, but 
I do believe the breadcrumbs <laughs> are getting already. bigger. Yeah, yeah. So um, awesome. there is something that I'd love to like kind of expand on that point then mm. is um I often see like the future as these different options that you have laying in front of you, like as if there's like doors that you can open. Um, and there's not really a wrong way to go. And that's something that's really important to, to tell yourself is that you can't really take the wrong path. You're going to get where you're supposed to go. And sometimes the, the, the way to get somewhere is the scenic route. Like taking the long way is a beautiful way to get there mm -hmm. and you don't need to rush through things, but also that like one way that I found is, is the most novel way to go is, and I call, I call it the wild card. So there's like, there's like two options to go, let's just say. So there's mm -hmm. like one option to like go, you're going to go somewhere where you hang out with the friends that you always hang out with and you're going to do what you always do. So you can yeah. almost predict the future in that case. And then there's another option where someone invited you to go somewhere that you've never been with people you don't know. And like, I mean, obviously you pick, a safe option as well but like taking a chance to like maybe go hang out with new people or like oh would you come bring some sort of offering to this experience like and that challenges you in a way that's scary i call that the wild card yeah. and i find the more times that you pick the thing that seems challenging out of your comfort zone and you cannot predict what would happen because you you don't know the answer if you choose that your experience becomes more interesting and you learn more. And that's kind of how you get to those places of like, wow, I'd love to be that someday or be there someday. Like that's how you get to someday. Yeah. By following that path. Yeah. And I recommend that to people because it's scary, but it's like the outcome is worth it. Yeah. That's actually, that's, that's so well phrased too, because you, you know that that safe option, like you're going to be happy, but you're, you're not going to be like ecstatic, full of joy. You just might be like, I'm having a good time. I feel comfortable and I feel safe, but getting out of that comfort zone is really when it allows you to grow as a human and make those new connections with people that you would have never even normally had the opportunity to meet. So, mm -hmm. and, yeah. and like within your boundaries, of course, like something that I've had to learn since coming up with this concept is like what, you know, like respect myself as well in the sense that like, maybe I need to go home sometimes and go to sleep. Like for mm -hmm. a long time, I'd be on the role of like, well, I have to say yes. And I have to say yes. Yeah. And it's like, but you can't always do that. So it's finding a balance mm -hmm. of the wild card and nurturing no. yourself. Yeah. I think, yeah. you know what I've noticed even just from this conversation that you're really good at is phrasing things in a way that uh, seem appealing. Because for me, I would have said like, oh, I have such a hard time with saying no. Like if people are always asking me to go do something, I always want to say yes. And I always want to, be part of that experience and I don't want to miss out. But rather than saying like, oh, I don't know how to say no, I can just start focusing on, oh, I need to say no so that I can nurture and just care for myself. So yeah. when you when you phrase it in a way that sounds endearing to yourself, it makes it a little bit easier. I think that like it's sort of like that 
say in love to the to every line that you draw it's like yeah. how do i talk to myself in that kind with that kindness too yeah and i would never you know like it's easy to talk negatively to ourselves but if you would never say that to someone else you shouldn't say it to yourself either for sure for sure that's a thing that's kind of difficult is that I am the type of person that like if someone needs something or they need a hand like I always want to help them but an important thing to remember is that you also have to fill your own cup it can't always just be you filling everyone else's cup and then your cup is empty because you're no use to anyone if you can't take care of yourself so that's right let me just reiterate because I think this is super important recognizing when you're running on empty is huge this is just a friendly reminder to drink water get some proper sleep. If you're actually sick, it's not a crime to call in sick to work. Take breaks. You'll be the most productive and creative version of yourself when your gas tank is full. Your Shambhala experience sounds pretty good. So did you go to Burning Man before or after? I went to Burning Man in 2019. So okay. the the one oh, wow. that, so that was after, I, I went after Shambhala. Okay. So okay. I went to Shambhala twice. And yeah, tell me Man. about that. I've never been to Burning Man, but I have been to Shambhala. So I would love some maybe comparisons of experience and size. And yeah, tell me all about it. Yeah. So Burning Man was something that I wanted to go to ever since I found out about it when I was like 16. It was kind of like my dream place to go. And one of my biggest struggles uh, in life and also while doing psychedelics was this fear of getting lost. Mm. Um, <laughs> it was just this like thing that kept coming up and actually something that I still can kind of struggle with. But um, one way of me facing that was deciding that I was going to go to Burning Man by myself. You went by yourself. So, um, wow. I went. Awesome. Yeah. I like, and the thing was, is that throughout the summer before I had made friends that I ended up like staying with. So I didn't fully go alone, but like I didn't have a rave buddy and I spent most of the time by myself. And I did this to challenge myself that if I could go to like what I felt like was the scariest, safest place to go, because it's it would be safe for me to be there alone, but it was like crazy wild city. Yeah. It was crazy. And if I could go there by myself, then I could do anything. And so I did that and it was, it taught me so much about how I can take care of myself and what it is that I actually like, what do I want to do at one of these events? Like, and it was really cool because as soon as you found bass music there, you found a ton of people from Vancouver or BC in general. Cause like, that's, the I guess we just love bass music. Yeah. It's such a scene. I, I love it. So did you get lost? Um, most definitely. I think I was lost the whole time. I think yeah. that was the point was yeah. to be lost and be okay with it. It was great. Like just be, you know, I don't think that that's like, you know, the wild card option that everyone needs to pick. I, that was a pretty <laughs> extreme one that I needed to face to prove myself. But like, that's like, I I'm guess I'm kind of an extreme person in some yeah. ways. And like, that's what I needed to do. And it's funny because like, I feel like sort of this like introverted person. Like I'm not, I, I'm pretty like good with being around people and like, but really I'm, I'm actually kind of reserved in some ways. And I've learned this as I've gotten older. Like I, 
I dress extravagant and make extravagant art, but I like, I, I'm kind of quiet sometimes too. And like, just realizing that that was okay too. And like, I did all this expansive work to find out that actually I do love doing inward journeys. Yeah. You do know. <laughs> but I had to like go all the way to find that out. I guess. Every girl who listens to this podcast is going to message you after and want to be your friend. I hope you realize that. Like, just listening to all just listening to all of the stuff that you're saying. That's so awesome. So, is currency a thing at Burning Man? I've been told that people just trade a lot of stuff, like they trade goods or they trade experiences or something like that, rather than buying things with money. Okay, so money is not really a thing there. The only things that you can buy are coffee and ice. Um, and I'm not really sure why those things are for sale. Those are, but they those are. are the weird things um, to randomly Other than people. that, everything is, is technically free. And how it works is you bring something. So you would join a camp and your camp would offer, like you'd be a group of people that would offer something. So that could be an experience. So an example of that, if it was the bass music scene, like there's a camp called Camp Question Mark and they offer bass music and the stage and they have music playing. But another camp might be a camp connected to like an organic fruit farm out somewhere in the States and they bring all this fruit that they feed you. And so you can essentially walk around and have all of your needs met simultaneously giving to fill other people's needs. So because it's a giving community, you have everything that you need. I felt really taken care of there which was really nice, especially because it was my first time and I did go alone. I didn't feel like I had as much that I could offer. Whereas if I were to go this time, I would, my giving game would be like way stronger. And like, now I know what, what, how I want to present myself, but because I was still trying to find myself there, I think like take your first year as like also a learning curve and know that you you have to experience it to fully know like how to actually yeah. do it in a way. Yeah. But like, do you think that that would ever be a way that people could sustainably live for a long time? Well, the thing is too, is because they do it uh, in Nevada and Black Rock city, mm-hmm. you're like in the middle of the desert. And so like there is some environmental kind of like, problems with I think the location that they do it in because a lot of energy gets used to make that happen I'm not I'm not totally sure like I I would love the world to be like that yeah that's what I was that's what I was kind of digging towards is like what what would be your thoughts if the world was just like that do you think that that could actually ever happen because from what you're explaining that sounds like such a beautiful thing that people don't really need to worry about money they just all offer what they can bring to the table and everyone just lives well i mean i think it's also about your perspective of your Mm -hmm. life because in a way i've kind of trained myself to think of my life in that way like there is we do have currency so money exists but i think that's why i've just dove right into my art career head first (laughs) after this burning man experience because i was like well, this is what I have to offer the world. This yeah. is my gift. Yeah. And so like recognizing what your gift is and then, you know, letting people pay you what our currency is for that gift. 
that's okay. Like money, I had a friend tell me this, but like money, money isn't good or bad. It's neutral and it's Mm -hmm. what we do with it. And so like you can filter money so that it's going to the right places and you have the power to do that. And also like the way that sometimes I imagine life, like one time I was in Vancouver and I was trying to figure out what I should do that night. And then I was like, you know what, what would I do if I was at Burning Man? I'd go to a soundstage. That's what I want to do right now. So I just went to a club that I knew was playing the music that I wanted to. And then all my friends were there and I was like, wow, it works in real life too. Like it's, everything that you learn there is applicable. So I recommend going because it's quite a lesson on just like life itself. Yeah, I definitely plan on going. And especially after this conversation, I feel like I could learn a lot. And even if you didn't like necessarily go by yourself, you could still take like a day or two where you go on your own adventure. And that would be equivalent to that experience. Totally. I also wanted to add that there are smaller burn events like regional burns uh, in BC called uh, there's burn in the forest and there's another one on the island. And I'd recommend going to a regional burn because it kind of takes away that whole survival aspect a little bit. You can just experience what it feels like to be at a burn event and feel the kindness. And it's like a big playground. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the one thing that I've recognized from music festivals is Everyone is there to just be happy and be kind to each other. And you never walk up to anyone and their first interaction is rude. Like everyone greets each other with kindness Mm -hmm. and trust from the get-go. And that just leads to so many beautiful connections. And some of them are really long-lasting. And I Mm -hmm. think that our society can sometimes lack that like leading with trust and leading with kindness with a new interaction um, just because we perhaps like the other person isn't sure how you're going to act towards them or not sure if maybe your kindness is malicious. Um, And so that's why some people could be reserved. But at a music festival, it just seems there's that trust and it's what really just leads to those heart opening. Yeah. People come with their hearts open and you feel that. This really reminded me of a quote that I love, though I never wrote down who initially said the quote, just know it came from someone who's really smart. There's far more upside and far less downside in an opening bit of trust in any relation. By offering trust, you will attract the right people and others will step up to the plate. I feel that quote relates pretty well to the atmosphere that's created at music festivals. In my experience, everyone just seems more open and trusting. Though we're mostly complete strangers, we're somehow all connected like a big family. That type of pure environment is something you have yet to experience anywhere else, and I think our world could really use a little bit more of that. Buy a complete stranger a coffee today. Share a personal story with someone you just met. At the end of the day, we're all on this planet to make connections with each other. And I believe that opening bit of trust is the first step towards that. Now, where were we? Um, Mm -hmm. So you're actually one of the few artists I know who still paints on a canvas. And I understand that that takes like a lot of skill and patience and talents. But I also look at examples such as typewriters and writing letters in ink compared to how people create digital documents today. Or another example would be 
film cameras versus digital cameras. So do you think that the art of painting on a physical canvas could ever be extinguished by digital painting tools? I think that in some ways we're experiencing that, but I think that there's something still novel and mm -hmm. unique about the experience of totally. actual art in this realm. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think that it'll get, you know, go extinct, but maybe digital art is, I mean, it's, is it, it's the same with like playing live instruments versus playing electronic instruments. I don't totally. think that they're kind of like different categories and they're yeah. not really like taking up the space of the other one. That's actually a very good way to phrase that because I think there's going to be people who just love music, whether it be classical music or electronic music. Same with how people will love seeing your art digitally versus seeing your art on a canvas. Like I know I wouldn't look at your digital art and then think, oh, I don't care about the canvases anymore. Like I want the whole package because everything that you're creating in all these different mediums is beautiful and delicate. I have another question for you. If you look back, let's say 20 or 30 years ago, no one would ever have even imagined the type of digital art that we can create today, let alone a girl painting on a tablet, manipulating it live synchronized with music. So artists are always coming up with new ideas to create new magnificent art forms. If you had to imagine what the world of digital arts will look like in 20 or 30 years, what comes to mind? This is a really great question because like that's essentially what I ask myself every day because I'm trying to design for the future. And I mean, I see essentially like you are, your consciousness in this input system body. And what I mean by that is like everything that you interact with. So all of your senses are inputs that are building the world around you. And when you create art, you're kind of like doing the opposite of this so we have an art form for each sense so like taste would be food uh scent is candles ears so sound is music your physicality you have dance and your hands that that like touch or your imagination kind of thing I, I don't even know what that sense is like the drawing aspect sight it's color um like there's all these different outputs that we also like so we accept information and we put out information mm -hmm. um and i think that in the future we're gonna find ways to cross these inputs or outputs um cool. to create like deeper and more unique sensory experiences and so like what i'm focusing on right now is the cross between sound and color mm -hmm. trying to cross that information and create an art form that allows you to be in like flow state of both of those outputs and like i dream of that future like an artist being someone that creates for all of your senses and yeah. not just one specific that would be a really cool one to be able to create something that can activate all of the senses. See, and that's, I think, what interests me so much about virtual reality is that maybe in its current state, it's still pretty primitive, but 
the premise is there that like you could create some sort of virtual experience that's stimulating all of these different senses. Um, and it doesn't need to necessarily be a video game. Like there are some virtual reality experiences that I've tried. And one of them is you plug in your music and then you can dance in a room and anywhere you look, it like tracks your hands and you can draw with your hands and then what you draw reacts with the music and like every time that i experience that i feel like those senses are really being fulfilled if you're wanting to check out that vr experience it's called hand particle vr it's available for free on side quests and i've linked it in the show notes is it cool if i ask you uh, a couple questions from our listeners yeah. Okay, cool. That sounds great. <laughs> awesome. These these ones are always really random and fun. But um, okay, so I had a girl, Jamie S, and she wants to know, what is your favorite forest animal to paint? I have a couple because I like painting all woodland creatures, but yeah. I really like to paint foxes. Rabbits are a big one. And I also have started to paint fawns or deers more. And I really oh, like them because of their like knobby legs. They're just so cute. Oh. I also have <laughs> Maya R and she wants to know if you ever feel uninspired and how you get yourself into your creative zone. I totally have times of feeling uninspired. And normally what I do is I kind of prepare myself with like a little ritual of like lighting some incense, maybe reading some tarot cards, going for a walk, just kind of connect with my spiritual self because that's normally where I get my inspiration from. Awesome. So I'd say like find that like thing that inspires you and maybe try not to look at other people's art because it gets easy to like look at other people's and then be like, oh, mine should look like this. But, like find out what does it mean to draw from from your hand, yeah. not from anyone else's. Draw like, draw like Kit or in your case, draw like Maya. Okay, so before we, we finish, um, I always ask a couple rapid fire questions. You can answer them as quickly or as slowly as you'd like. Um, but I want to know what's the most difficult part about being an artist? And it could be Probably like- the, the expectation people. to yeah. be creating every day. Oh yeah. Would you say like the expectation you put on yourself or the expectation that you feel from a social media standpoint? Mm, probably both, but more so that I put on myself. Okay. Like that I, I can't be an art machine, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. I don't need to tell myself I'm not doing enough. I need to be like, what you did today is enough. Yeah. So what's the the most rewarding part about being an artist? That you have like this visual representation of your experience that you created and it's really beautiful to have like a little gallery of your own art mm. okay so what do you like least about being an artist is it when you're doing a commission having to deal with expectations from people or people nitpicking because they want things a slightly different way or is it just only getting to sleep four hours a night sometimes because you're just mm. up painting all night what do you like least Probably, um, well, all of those things, but also <laughs> maybe like probably the 
the limited mobility in the body while working. Like if I'm working on my computer for long hours, like, you know, you got to really take care of your body doing yoga and stuff. But if you mm-hmm. don't, like you can feel that like your shoulders or your eye, like I've been looking at my computer all day today and I can just feel it in my eyes. Yeah. I definitely feel that sometimes too, if I'm sitting at my computer for 10 hours. Yeah, definitely do your yoga, drink, drink some water, everyone, um, and get outside. Um, what do you like most about being an artist? I think it's connecting with the community and getting to offer my gifts as like something that I can share and like bring as a value thing. Like, especially I'm going to a party, I can offer VJing as like a gift to the party. And I feel like I'm a part of the, the process of creating that thing and not just attending. Also, I would say that I get to like use my art to inspire and interact with people, like have conversations like this. Yeah. You know, like the fact that you even want to sit and have a conversation with me for your podcast, that's, you know, because of the hard work that I put into to making these things. And that feels really good that like yeah. I get to share my ideas because of my art. And that's like the main thing that I want to do is like, you know, I'm, I make art, but there's a story behind my pieces yeah. and there's philosophies and uh, things that I want to say to inspire others. Yeah. Well, I admire you quite a bit and not just because you're a fantastic artist, but I also just know that you're a really intelligent person. You know a lot about life and about yourself and how you should treat others. And I think that Hopefully I have some things that I can teach you through our connection over the coming years, but I've definitely already learned quite a bit from you and I'm pretty grateful for that. Thanks for, for that feedback. That's really nice to hear. Yeah. Um, I have learned lots from you. <laughs> good. I'm glad. Hopefully we can just continue to learn more from each other and maybe build something beautiful. Um, Okay. So this next question, I want to know if money was not a concern, how would you use your knowledge and talent as an artist to make the world a better place? I would hire a crew to help me build the instrument that I want to build. Like I would find um, coders and hard, like hardware technicians. I need, I need like computer people Mm -hmm. to be able to like actually build the system that I, I envision and I would hire them to do that. That's awesome. So I'd love to know, where do you see yourself in 10 years within the field of digital arts? In 10 years? Playing with Tyco. That's lots of time. Yeah, I would love <laughs> to be connecting with the musicians that I feel inspired by. I'd also like to be making my own music through my art with invention things I'd like to make. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'd like to and maybe have my own studio of some sort that like is like a tattooing, possibly like venue space. I'm not even sure. And I'd love to have my own clothing line. Lots of things. All these things established. I know. I've got like so many things I'm working on, but it's fun. (laughs) And the thing is, it's it's kind of okay to have lots of projects, especially if they all can kind of be related back to one thing. So like, it's all related to your art, and it's all related to your brand. So it just it makes sense, and it sounds like you're really balancing out your skill set rather than like just getting really, really good at painting on a canvas. It's like you understand how to do a lot of things. And I think the best yeah. blades are the balanced. Yeah. 
and I think that like some of these things I don't know if they'll be completed in 10 years like some mm-hmm. of my dreams I imagine myself being a grandma when they're happening yeah. so yeah. and if you're okay yeah, with that then like that's what the vision is right so yeah yeah keep creating until well until the end absolutely I think that's a really good mindset for any artist <laughs> out there um, you may have actually just answered the question I was going to ask you next, but maybe you can tell me, uh, what's the most valuable fact lesson or piece of advice that you've learned from doing what you do. Maybe like a piece of advice for listeners who are artists who are maybe either part-time artists or who are artists, but just at home to themselves. And they're thinking of starting their career full-time or really taking the dive like you have. I'd say just do it. Yeah. To live is to risk it all. Otherwise, you're just an inert chunk of randomly assembled molecules drifting wherever the universe blows you. Like, just believe that you're a professional at that thing. Like, no one even knows the difference. You hear that, guys? Sounds like whoever said fake it till you make it was onto something. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. And if you don't make it, well, at least you tried. I'm pretty sure sucking at something is the first step to being kind of good at something. So explore your potential. The world's pretty big and you're pretty small and you never know what opportunities await you if you just give it a shot. I started at one point, I was traveling, doing wedding photography and I just started saying I was a professional photographer. And and There you are. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the biggest limiter is yourself. Yeah. And also like, there's also a big question on like whether to go to school or not. And I would say like school is actually really valuable. Like I learned so much and it's a lot of money. I don't think that you need to think that, but like learning from someone and that school might be like watching a masterclass or like, you know, and, and know that like paying for information and knowledge is also like you're supporting that person that's giving that information Mm -hmm. and not everything needs to be for free. Like it's okay to like pay an artist that you are inspired by to like listen to their behind the scenes things or whatever, if that's going to help you. So yeah. Yeah. If you can just tell us for all the listeners where we can find your stuff. Yeah. Um, my Instagram is delicate. That's where I post most of my interactions, um, online, but I also have a website where you can purchase my artwork and my stickers. Um, that's delicate.com. And I also have a TikTok that I've been like putting a lot of videos on. So which is also delicate. Okay. And yeah. Sweet. That's it for now. Hopefully a Patreon will be coming soon. Yeah, so I will subscribe. In the future, up, I'll add the Patreon link to the podcast. And since recording this episode, Kit actually has put up a Patreon and she's done it really well with all sorts of cute custom tiers. If you want to check that out, I've linked it all in the show notes. Thank you so much for chatting with me. This was, this was great. Yeah. yeah, thank you for chatting with me. Yeah. I'm really glad we got to chat. It was nice to catch up with you as well. Yeah. And when you come back to Nelson, I really would like to do a show. And yeah. We'll have to show you our art space and stuff. Yeah. Play on the VR. Yeah, bye. So thank you everyone for joining us today on the podcast, where curious minds explore how technology is shaping the future of our modern earth. If you enjoyed today's show, leave us a review, drop us a rating, share it with a friend, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also support the show by joining my Patreon for as little as $2 a month at patreon.com slash modern earth. There you can submit questions to our guest speakers and find more bonus content. If you really enjoyed saying about the show, 
or have any suggestions for a topic you'd like me to cover, drop me a line and I'll try and make it happen. Links to all the products, websites, and articles we spoke about on the show today can be found in the show notes. I'd also like to thank Rye P. Beats for designing the show's theme music. You can check him out on Spotify or SoundCloud for some of his latest work. And most importantly, I'd like to thank you for listening. After the credits, I'd like to tell you guys something about myself. This week, I thought I'd let you know that my favorite fruit is a pomegranate, and I also really like peaches. So if you're feeling peachy, feel free to send me one in the mail. Again, I'm your host, Liam Roy, and I'll be back to interview a new guest next time on Modern Earth.